give a little round of applause to our mums, shall we? They're just... When their kids are around, they just want to do whatever they can to say, you know what, kids, you've got a cool mum, and we're going to just do this, and sometimes it doesn't go the way you planned, but uh, you mums, you're ready to just jump in and try it. Um, I happen to be married to a mum just like that. Uh, my kids definitely think of the parents. She is the cooler of the two, uh, without any shadow of a doubt. She is a, a great mum. In fact, actually, it reminds me, a couple of years ago, New Year's Eve, we had some friends over, <laughs> And um, there was a, uh, she wants to learn how to floss. So she was asking the kids how to floss, and they were showing her. And I actually got a video of, <laughs> which I'm not going to show. I just wanted to, <laughs> she is shaking her, no, you do not. She's if it makes you feel better, Casey, my lovely wife, mother to my children, um, there's no way I would show that video because there's plenty more embarrassing things that she could reveal about me. But I will tell you this, that I couldn't remember the name of the dance. It's called the Floss, apparently. So we have this meeting backstage before service starts, and we pray together with the worship team and kind of run through the service order. And Will, my son, is the guitar player over here. So I went up to him and I said, Will, what's the name of that dance? <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. But I did, <laughs> I did it backstage, and I'm not kidding. Will grabbed my arms. He says, Dad, stop. Like, <laughs> looked around. He's like, what are you doing? Dad, don't, don't, don't do that. Dad, stop it. <laughs> like he was genuinely horrified that I... <laughs> That's the look I got from Will as well. So, um... So, love you, Case. You're awesome. Mums are great. And, uh, and I do realize, I say this every year, but if you're new to Connect, I do need to um, acknowledge this right now because I've already said the word several times. I get it. I know that you're hearing me say mum. I know this is a mum, okay? I know that, all right? And I know that for you guys, this is a mom, okay? But where I come from, they're both mums, all right? So uh, that's what you're going to hear all morning from me. So if you can just do the translation in your head and know that when I'm talking about mum, I'm talking about these mums and not these mums, okay? So there we go, scene set. All right, so um, I'm excited to be able to talk to mornings, this morning, celebrate the wonderful mums that are in here, um, maybe share something from the Bible that might encourage all of us this morning, mums, dads, kids, every single one of us. But I do want to do this, and I do this every year um, on, a, on a Sunday like this. Um, that's acknowledge the folks here in the room who, if you're here this morning and Mother's Day um, can bring a sense of sadness, maybe there's something that's happened in your life that for you, Mother's Day is a reminder of a difficult time. I just want to thank you for coming anyway, because I know it's not easy when you've been through a certain situation and everyone's celebrating Mother's Day, but for you, maybe it reminds you of um, a child that you've lost, uh, a reminder that you've not, your desire to become a mom, and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're here this morning, and your Mother's Day is different this year because mom who was here a year ago isn't here, and there's a certain amount of sadness that today brings. Maybe you've got kids who are sick. We have a family in the church, the Fry family, lovely family, and just recently discovered that their 10-year-old son, Reed, has cancer. And uh, this morning, uh, Courtney, the mom, is in St. Jude in Memphis with her son, and her Mother's Day is, is being spent down there. So I recognize that Mother's Day can be... <laughs> A difficult time as well. So I want to pause and just pray for any mum, any family that may be having a, a difficult time today on Mother's Day. Can we pray? Father, we love you so much. And Lord, we are thankful for so many wonderful mums in this room. 
so many wonderful families who can look to their mums and just be grateful that they are who they are today because of a great mum who raised them well, maybe who prayed for them growing up, maybe who modeled what it was to love and uh, be just a great role model. But Lord, maybe there are some here this morning who didn't have the experience of a great mum growing up. Maybe there are mums here this morning who have lost a child or who are desperately wanting to be a mum and it hasn't happened yet. Mums who are dealing with sickness and people who have lost mothers. Father, for those for whom Mother's Day can bring a sense of sorrow, be with them this morning, I pray. Just give them your strength and peace and comfort at this time that they can understand and they can, they can partner with others who are celebrating Mother's Day, but at the same time feel your peace and comfort in their sorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I do hope that you had a chance uh, when you came in this morning to stop by our photo booths. We had two of them set up there, and uh, we want you to, to get a picture with your family if you can. So uh, we've set it up to where you can use your own cell phone. There's no photographer, so if, someone, if, if you want to all be in the family, there's volunteers out there who can take the picture for you. If you post that on Instagram or Facebook and put the hashtag ConnectMoms, uh, we will accept Connect Mums as well if you want to go that route and uh, try and impress me. Uh, at some point this afternoon, we will select at random one of those hashtagged pictures, and uh, there will be a $50 gift certificate to a mum uh, who, who posts that picture. So when you put that picture on Facebook or Instagram, put the hashtag connect mums, uh, moms, and uh, we'd love to select someone to be our winner. But I love it. I, I've got to be honest with you. I love it because I then spend my Sunday afternoon on Facebook and Instagram looking at some of the wonderful pictures that you as families have taken. Even just this morning, I got to take a picture of some friends of mine who come to connect and uh, they've got a brand new baby who they didn't have last year and it was just brilliant seeing the four of them together as a family holding the baby taking the picture and uh, it's just wonderful seeing all those pictures but I want to talk about that a little bit this morning because we live in a world don't we where we so easily see all these pictures of families and and thanks to Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and and all the others we, we we're inundated with pictures of families that we know families that we don't know and if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes, as lovely as it is to see all these different pictures, sometimes there can be a little bit of uh, insecurity, can't there? Because we look at these families, and they're smiling, and they've just got it all together. And you're like, how are they doing that? Have you been to my house? Have you not seen my family? Like, and we, we have this kind of comparison trap, don't we, that we fall into sometimes, because we see these images that, let's be honest, aren't reality, I mean, they're not reality. This is, it's easy to capture in one simple shot um, an image that may very well not be reality. But we see these pictures all the time, don't we? So if you've ever looked at one of those pictures and you felt a little bit of uh, insecurity there, felt like, man, our family just doesn't measure up, I'm going to encourage you this morning by, uh, by showing you some more pictures of families this morning to kind of cheer you up a little bit. I think these pictures were inspired by mums who said, okay, family, we're going to get a picture. And because mum said, um, this is the picture I want, the family went with it. I think this first picture, mum determined that everyone was going to wear matching outfits. So this was the picture they took. Unfortunately, I think mum used some wallpaper they had to make those outfits. Uh, but yeah, mum said we want to all dress the same. And it's important to mum, isn't it, for all the family to be together. But there's still that one kid sometimes, isn't there? Like Mum's like, hey, let's get a family picture. But there's still the one kid who's just a bit rebellious and doesn't want to, you know, get right in there. A bit like this family here. 
He, believe it or not, he just is kind of off in the background there, didn't want to be a part of the family picture. Maybe your family pictures, mums, this morning look more like this. I think this captures motherhood perfectly. It's like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> this is so, such hard work. And, uh, and I love, you know, again, I wonder if this was mum's idea for this last picture. She's like, you know, in years to come, I want to look back on this picture and I want to make sure that we all remember who was who. So uh, in this particular picture, everyone's shirt <laughs> defines who they are. We've got mom, dad, daughter, and son. So just in case anything happens in the future and we forget who's who. So uh, then I found this family picture, okay? This is the family here. This family is called the Stocks, okay? Maybe you've heard of the Stocks. They're a beautiful family. There's mom, dad, two wonderful children, even a lovely dog that's behaving very well there. And uh, of course, I don't know if Stock is their name or not, but it is a stock image, Okay, I, I literally, this week when I was looking for pictures, I googled family with a dog, and I found a website that produces stock images, and this was the family it, it showed me. So if you actually was, look really closely, you'll see there's a watermark on there, so the, uh, it, it is a stock image. Now, the problem with these stock images is we see these everywhere, don't we? We see them in advertisements. We see them in media. Sometimes we see them on church websites. You know, it's like, these are the kind of families that go to this church, and there's nothing wrong with it. They're a lovely-looking family. They've got a dog. I mean, everything's great. But, but if your family doesn't look like that, it kind of sends this message, doesn't it, that, that maybe this is the way an ideal family should look. So if that's the ideal family and my family doesn't look like that, does that mean that my family is less than ideal? See, here at Connect, we, we would say absolutely not. Because... I have the, the wonderful privilege of getting to know some of you families here at Connect as, as we continue to grow. And I love the variety of families that we have here. We've got such a great mix of families, many of whom look nothing like the stocks. We have single moms here who are raising kids. We have blended families. We have grandparents raising grandchildren who are doing a fantastic job bringing them to church with them on Sunday mornings. We have excellent families who are fostered and adopted, and, and the landscape of their family pictures looks a lot different than this picture up here. We have biracial families. There are even families that connect who don't own a dog, which kind of makes sense to me because cats are just so much smarter and cooler. But anyway, we won't get too controversial here on Mother's Day. Many here this morning who look nothing like the stocks. And in our Instagram, Pinterest world, this can be a bit of a challenge sometimes, can't it? I wonder for you mums, especially if you, if you feel that just a little bit more sometimes, when you look at these images and you look at your family and, and the stressful situations and the different things that go on, if it, if it ever kind of bothers you a little bit, it's like, man, why can't our family be more like that family? So I want to spend just a couple of minutes this morning just looking at what, what does an ideal family really look like? Is it mom, dad, two kids, and a dog? Or, or, or is it more than that? Is there more to what an ideal family should look like? Moses uh, was a man of the Bible lived thousands of years ago, and, and I love his perspective he had on family because he was the man who was responsible for leading the Israelites into their brand new home. They'd been slaves for many years in a place called Egypt, and uh, through a miraculous deliverance, God used Moses to, to set the people free, to take them out of Egypt and across the wilderness and finally into the promised land that would now become their future home. The nation of Israel would grow in this land called Israel. 
And Moses knew that it was very important that you don't just move a people from one place to another and assume that everything will be okay. He knew that there were some values, some traditions, some, some things that he wants to make sure carried from their past into their future. And he knew that that would, would fall heavily on the shoulders of the families of the people of Israel. So in one of my favorite passages uh, in the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible before Jesus came, it talks about Moses talking to these people. We're going to read it together. It's a kind of a long passage, but I want to um, just focus on a couple of verses in this passage. So I want to read it in context so you understand what it was that Moses was saying. So it's a book called Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So he's talking to all of the people of Israel at this point. You must obey these commands in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then a little bit later in that same chapter, verse 20, he says, And in the future, your children will ask you, what's the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? And then you must tell them. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all of his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord, our God, he commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so that he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord, our God, has given us. You know what I think makes a good family? And that's being intentional. Being intentional. I think Moses, when he was speaking these words, he was picturing these people hundreds of years in the future. He was saying, there's going to come a time where your kids and your grandkids and your grandkids' kids are going to ask, tell us that story again. Tell us again how it is that we find ourselves here in this wonderful land. And it's on your shoulders, your families. You've got to make sure that, that that story, that amazing accomplishment of what God did, that what we know today, what we've just experienced in our lifetimes is never forgotten. This was a day and age where they didn't have the luxury of the internet or textbooks or movies made about the lives of an individual. So, so the only thing they had was oral tradition. Just you've got to tell the story. You've got to make sure that our kids and our grandkids and our kids' kids, if you want an ideal family growing up, they need to remember the stories of how they came here, how God brought us to this point. So I wonder this morning how many of us have that same kind of intentionality with our families. This could be a question to parents this morning, to grandparents, 
to kids, to siblings, to uncles, to aunts, to wherever you find yourself here this morning, do you have a plan? Do you have a, an idea? Okay, in my family, I want to make sure that what God's done in my life, I want to pass that along. Maybe you're here this morning and you still haven't um, made that connection with God. I hope as you hear this this morning, this will inspire you. Maybe this will challenge you to take a step closer in your relationship with God, a step towards Jesus who loves you so much and is looking to have a relationship with you. Maybe as I talk about this, it'll take you back to a parent, a mom, a dad, maybe a grandparent who you remember as a kid shared some of these stories with you. And maybe the way God will find his way into your life is he will tap into to the roots, the, the, the things you remember as a child that seems so long ago, but you remember as a kid, hearing these wonderful stories of God and how much he loved you. This is why Moses wanted these stories to be told again and again. So I think as families, there's a few things that we can make goals in our life. The first is connection. There's this idea of connecting with, with the people in our family. Listen to what Moses said in 6, 1 and 2. He says, you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear your, uh, the Lord your God as long as you live. I think Moses was emphasizing here the importance of connection. That it's, this is for you and the next generation and the generation. These generations are connected. This is why it's so important that we have a plan in place. There's a guy by the name of George Barner, and he does a lot of research, uh, statistics, that kind of thing, surveys, studies, and uh, always has really insightful information. And I came across a statistic from him this week, and he said that normal parents in our culture spend an average of 15 minutes in direct parents-to-child conversation in a day. So on average, parents spend an average of 15 minutes in direct conversation between parent and child. Now, I've got to think about that. On face value, that just doesn't seem enough. But then I started to think about it in my family. And I was like, man, I, sometimes 15 minutes is a good day. We are so busy. We're just coming and going. And there's stuff happening all the time. And, and, and we're present with each other. But that direct conversation, that, man, 15 minutes would be great. If you have students in Connect Youth, I hope I'm not about to. Am I going to spoil a surprise if I tell them about the letters? Have you guys had a chance to give the letters to your mums yet? Do you even know what I'm... Yeah, yeah. they're like, what letter? So, <laughs> have you opened your letter yet? Yes. So, in Connect Youth a few weeks ago, the teens were challenged, and we received two letters at our house this week addressed to Casey Jane. One was return address Ben Jane, one Will Jane. Do not open until Mother's Day. Very bold letters on the front of the envelope. So, when they opened it, inside it was a certificate, and that certificate was um, permission to, for the students to spend one hour off of screens and with their mum. So they, she can cash that certificate in any time she wants, and that's one hour of presence between my son and her and no screens. What a great idea for a gift. Because connection is so important. At our house, we, uh, I've, I've talked about this before. For us, one of the values in the Jane household is we've, we've really tried to make a commitment that mealtimes, as often as possible, can be a time where our family eats together. Now, in reality, I've got kids who work and kids who do soccer practice and piano lessons and all sorts of different things. So in reality, we can't do that every night. But our kids know that Friday night, without fail, is family dinner night. We normally have pizza. And Friday night is family dinner night. And I can honestly say that probably some of my favorite memories of our family growing up has been some of those mealtimes. We've told stories and we've laughed together and asked about time at school. 
There's a pastor I listen to a lot. His name's Andy Stanley. He talks about this in parenting. He says that his goal as a parent is that his kids will enjoy those, those meal times, those family times so much that when they leave home to go to college and they find out that the family are getting together for dinner and they're not there, that they'll generally be, be gutted. They're like, I want to be back there. <laughs> I'm missing out. That was one of his priorities for his kids growing up, that they would actually want to come home and spend time together as a family. That's one of our goals. I work a lot of the blend, and I'll study there, and I'll often see folks I know, sometimes folks I don't know, showing up, and it'll be mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, or uncles and aunts, and they'll be bringing a kid, and they'll sit there and have a little hot chocolate or some kind of cinnamon roll or whatever, and just spend some time there together, and I love seeing that. I love seeing parents and grandparents being intentional at making time to connect with their kids. I came across an illustration this week from a sermon, and it was about a guy who had grown old and his son had grown up now and was married with kids of his own and the dad was clearing out the attic one day and he came across some of his son's belongings and in this box of his son's belongings was a little diary that his son used to keep when he was a child. Dad didn't even know his son kept this diary. So he got it out and he realized at the time his son was writing this diary, he too was writing a journal as well. So he went and found his journal for the same period of time and and he went to a certain date, June the 4th, and he opened his journal, and in his journal he'd written, wasted the whole day fishing with Jimmy, didn't catch a thing. So then he went to his son, Jimmy's journal, he opened it up, and, and on exactly the same day, Jimmy's entry in his diary was, went fishing with my dad, best day of my life. And it's amazing, this is somehow the perspective we have. Now that illustration's hard for me, because I can't imagine ever being a good day to stand on a riverbed with a fishing pole and do nothing. I just don't really get that. I'm not a fisherman, but I love <laughs> the sentiment of the story that sometimes we look at it as like, I'm not sure if that was you know, the best of days, or it didn't go how I planned. or it did. But from our kids' perspective, just that time with mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, it makes such a big difference. You know, another way, I think, as well as connections within our families, is stories. I think this is what Moses was communicating to the people of Israel, just the power of stories. And even though nowadays, we, you know, we've got literature and movies and all sorts of different things, I think there's still power in story. Listen to what he said in chapter 6, verse 7. He said, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Stories are such a great way of communicating. I remember reading to my kids when I was younger. I remember reading books that I read when I was a kid, like the, the Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar and Where the Wild Things Are and just these great books that I can remember reading as a kid and then reading them to my kids. There's just something about connecting with stories. And just on a little side note here, I want to just say thank you to every one of you who helps donate to the, uh, the book fair at Hensie during the month of April. Our goal is to collect 300 books that they could give away to kids so their parents could read them stories this summer. You guys read, you, you gave 600 books, like twice as many as we were expecting. And on behalf of the teachers and the administration of that school, thank you so much. It makes a huge difference for those families because they are able to then give away books to families. Make a difference in their life. Telling stories changes things. And, and the challenge, especially for some of us with parents, as parents who have, who have kids, is that we know that they're hearing stories. They're hearing stories. The movies they watch, the music they listen to, 
They even have like option now to, to literally follow their friends' stories on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. There are these, these stories that aren't real. Again, not a realistic view of what life is like, but that's the input they're getting. And I think as parents, I, I'm, I'm okay with that as long as I'm able to communicate a better story to my kids. As long as they'll hear a better story from me, whether it be here on a Sunday or during the week. I heard a guy by the name of Donald Miller speak once. He's a, a pastor and an author, and he was talking about this whole idea of story. He said a friend who called him up one day, and he said, Donald, I need some advice. My daughter, uh, she's, uh, she's in middle school, and she started to date this guy, and he's just a loser. He's just not a good guy, and we can just see that she's kind of making some poor choices now since she's been dating this guy, and we keep trying to tell her that she shouldn't date him, and it feels like the more we tell her, the more she wants to date him. And uh, he said, I just don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? He said, I wonder if maybe you just haven't given her a, more, a compelling enough story to not date this guy. He says, what do you mean? He goes, well, well think of something you can give the, that'll give her a reason to, to be, a reason to live. So this, this friend of Donald Miller's, he had this idea. He heard about this, this orphanage in Mexico that they were trying to build, and they needed $20,000 to build this orphanage. And they had all these orphans they wanted to reach, and they couldn't until this building was built. So he sat down with his family, and he showed them pictures, and he explained the situation. He said, I think our family could help do this. And he said, I watched, and my kids started to get excited. They were like, yeah, we could, we could share this on our, uh, our Instagram feeds or our social media feeds and ask our friends to donate, and we could do this. And the son said, yeah, we could maybe even take a trip to Mexico once it's built and see it built. And, and the girl, he said, the teenage girl in particular got really excited about it. She started to do some, some garage sales and some bake sales, and she was doing things to raise money. And he says, do you know what happened? She kept trying to involve her boyfriend in it, but he just wanted nothing to do with it. So in the end, she said, I don't want to be with you anymore. She dumped the guy because this story of being able to make a difference, to build this, this, this orphanage was a better story than the one that she'd been tied to before. We have great stories we can tell of what God's done in our lives. It can impact our kids. It's not even just the stories we tell. Listen to this quote I came across by a guy by the name of Robert Brault. He said, as parents, we guide by our unspoken example. It's only when we're talking to them that our kids aren't listening. It's true. <laughs> it's only when we're talking to them that they're not listening. But really, they are listening a lot more in watching our behavior, watching the story that we're telling. Here's the last thing this morning. So connection stories is mission. I think every one of us is on a mission here this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, God has put you on a wonderful mission to experience him in, his life, in your life, to share him with others. And I think we have a responsibility to, to pass that mission along in our families. Listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 21. He said, In the future, your children will ask you, what's the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord has God has given us to obey? He says, and then you must tell them. You must tell them. I love that I've met families who have come to connect, and one of the only reasons you ever came in the first place is because you wanted somewhere for your kids to come and learn about Jesus. It wasn't even that you wanted to learn about Jesus. You just thought it'd be good for your kids to learn about Jesus. And you came, and they enjoyed Connect Kids, and they wanted to come again and again. And before you knew it, you were in here, and you were starting to learn some things about Jesus. 
And some of you, your story is that you've come into a relationship with Jesus because the reason you came was because you felt like someone needed to teach your kids this, so I better take them to the church. Well, now you're here and you're learning and you're growing and maybe like Moses, you're feeling that responsibility that um, in the future your children will ask you what is the meaning, then you must tell them. And you're like, well, I don't know what to tell them. But that's part of us, how we grow, is that, that we have this opportunity to share the mission of what God has done. Every one of us can pass along that mission. It worked for Moses and the people of Israel thousands of years ago, and it can work for us today. I came across a great quote that said this. It said, I'm not raising my kids to survive the world. I'm raising them to change it. We can impact the lives of our kids our grandkids, our nephews, our nieces, by inspiring them with the mission that, that has inspired us. And I think the mission is more than just making a decision to follow Jesus. That's, that's just where it starts. From then on, your life changes. You have so many opportunities to impact the world in which you live in. That's the center of the DNA here at Connect. We want to change the lives of people in this community and around the world. We want to impact others. And on this Mother's Day, right as we kind of close out, I want to share an opportunity that you could be a part of if you want to, to make a difference, to take that mission, make it more than just something that's about learning about God. But what can I do to, to impact another's life? Last week, we took up a, a special offering. Uh, we were talking about our Together for Washington campaign that we've been in, and we wanted to give people a chance who have never given yet uh, to be able to give towards our new building that we're in the process of renovating we're moving into soon. And I wanted to just update you if you were part of that offering last weekend. Thank you so much. Uh, just in one offering, we raised $7,500, which is a huge amount. So thank you very much. Yep, any of you that gave in that offering... We, uh, we had a goal that we wanted to see 180 different individuals, couples, families be a part of our Together for Washington. And uh, last week, I think we had between eight and 10 brand new families. So we're now at 165. And I'm really confident that um, probably before the end of the year, we'll have that number of 180 unique givers. So that means that there are 180 different uh, people, families who will be able to, to come into our new building and say, we were a part of making this happen. Because our philosophy from the very beginning has been not the size of the gift, but the amount of people who can be a part of that. So it just means whether it's small or large, everyone can play a part. I share all that to give you the update, but also because, um, because we took that offering last week, there was a part of me that wasn't sure if I wanted to do this this week, but um, we're going to do it anyway. So... I told you about that family, the, uh, the Fry family. So they are uh, members of Connect. They used to live here in Washington. She was a teacher at Central. Their kids went to Central. Uh, they moved recently to Mackinac. Um, she's been with us uh, on our committee for Family Fun Fest for the last six years. You can actually see Courtney, the mum, right there in the middle. She's fantastic. She's been a huge part of making that event the big success it is every year. And... Uh, when I wrote to her and asked if she was okay, if we would pray for her and her son in the service, she, she said, that's absolutely fine. So just two or three weeks ago, less than a month ago, she was, uh, uh, her son Reed, 10 years old, was just complaining of some headaches. So they took him to the doctors, uh, ended up with a trip to the emergency room, and then within just a short amount of time, a discovery of some tumors that they had to do surgery fairly quickly on. 
they were able to successfully remove the tumors, and that was good news, but then the results came back that the tumors were cancerous, and they had that horrible um, realization that their 10-year-old son had cancer. So they are in Memphis right now in St. Jude, which is a wonderful hospital. I know some of you have run in the race to raise money for St. Jude. Some of you have been a part of that, and that is a fantastic thing. Thank you so much. In fact, the guy who headed up St. Jude and started the whole thing in the first place is a part of Connect. So I know we've got a lot of connections there with that. But we want to do something to, to bless this family. So mom's going to be down there for the next six months with Reed while he goes through these treatments, and the rest of the family are still here. So they're going to get to travel backwards and forwards several times over the next six months. So we thought on this Mother's Day, we'd like to bless that family and that mom. So um, we as Connect would like to match up to $1,000 anything that any of you would be willing to donate. So uh, there's no pressure on this whatsoever, but maybe you've been affected by this, or maybe you want to just help this family out, and it's just super simple. So on our app or on our website, you can go, and, and where you would normally go to give, there's a new tab there that just says Read Family, and you could give a little bit or whatever you feel comfortable giving, but every penny will go to that family. So, and every penny up to $1,000 Connect will match that total, because we want to just let this family know that we love them and we support them and that we're praying for them at this time. And I just thought on Mother's Day, what a great way uh, for us as a church. We've done this in years gone by as well. We've always tried to, to do something to honor and celebrate the mums here at Connect, but also to maybe try and help impact um, a mum or uh, mums in the community. So this year we've chosen to, to do that and hopefully help this mum who is in a, uh, a difficult situation. When I'd... Um, emailed her last night to ask if I could pray this morning. She said, that's absolutely fine. And uh, she responded in her email. She just said, yeah, thank you so much for the prayers. Please do pray. And then she, the last line of her email was, tell all the mums to squeeze their babies extra tight and cherish every moment with them. And I know for us, especially as parents, you know, to imagine what it must be like for her at this time. So I just think knowing that her home church is supporting her and praying for her uh, will just really help them during this difficult time. We're going to close out by, by praying now, but I know I've talked a lot about what it looks like to, to be the, the ideal family, whether it's through connection, mission stories. And I know some of us are looking at our busy lives thinking, Dave... I don't know how I can create more space to do this. A very wise person once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. It was, of course, Ferris Bueller, very wise man. <laughs> and he was right. Life moves too fast. But I think with some intentionality, we can make sure that when we're driving the kids to school, when we're eating dinner. When we, just, we don't have to create more opportunities. We just have to make sure that we're making the most of the opportunities we do have. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So let's, let's look for opportunities to tell stories. Let's look for opportunities to connect. Let's look for opportunities to share the mission of God in our lives. And let's pray. Father, thanks for the wonderful, wonderful moms that are here today. Thanks for family, Lord. We recognize that I think the, uh, the health of a community can be gauged by the, the strength of the families in that community. So we recognize, Lord, that family is a very important thing. Lord, for some of us here this morning, we struggle with that comparison trap as we look at other families. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name this morning that all of us here 
would look for those ways as a family, both parents to kids, grandparents to kids, husbands to wives, would look for those ways to connect, to make, make it a goal to connect as much as possible. That we wouldn't waste opportunities where we could be telling stories, that we would share the mission of what you've done in our lives. This seemed to work for Moses thousands of years ago, and I believe, Lord, it can still work for us today. So help us to do this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.